Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro seismology. Magnetism. The dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your genes. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this edition, Mutu Velapayan repairs broken hearts with groovy patches. But first up, here's the news of berries for bellies and a web for water. Strawberries for stomachs. Researchers from the University of Massachusetts Amherst have found that eating three quarters of a cup of strawberries every day can reduce inflammation in the colon, improve healthy gut bacteria, and reduce the symptoms of inflammatory bowel disease. Inflammatory bowel disease, IBD, is a set of painful conditions in which the intestines have become inflamed, red and swollen that can cause severe diarrhoea, cramps, ulcers, joint pains, and fatigue. The major types of inflammatory bowel disease are Crohn's disease, which can affect any part of the digestive tract, and ulcerative colitis, which only affects the colon and rectum. The cause is unknown. Treatments can include medications such as cortisone and antibodies, and surgery that can even go as far as removal of the entire large intestine, including the rectum. A recent paper published in The Lancet called Worldwide Incidence and Prevalence of Inflammatory Bowel Disease in the 21st Century calculates that 0.3% of the population of North America, Oceania and many parts of Europe suffer from inflammatory bowel disease. That adds up to over 3 million Americans and over 70,000 Australians living with inflammatory bowel disease. Previous studies of the health benefits of strawberries for helping treat Alzheimer's disease and heart disease have only used strawberry extracts, which may miss out the activity of the rest of the strawberry. In this study, the researchers used whole strawberries, although in powdered form so they could be fed to mice. The researchers used a mouse model of the inflammatory bowel disease where they caused the same symptoms by feeding the mice dextrin sulfate sodium. The mice were divided into four groups. Healthy mice fed a normal diet. Mice with inflammatory bowel disease fed a normal diet. Mice with inflammatory bowel disease fed a diet in which 2.5% of their food was powdered strawberry. And mice with inflammatory bowel disease fed a diet in which 5% of their food was powdered strawberry. The researchers found that eating what would be the equivalent for humans of three quarters of a cup of strawberries each day reduced inflammatory bowel disease symptoms such as bloody diarrhoea and weight loss. There was a big reduction in the amount of inflammation in the colon as measured by levels of pro-inflammatory markers including tumor necrosis factor alpha and interleukin-1 beta. There was a drop in the level of pro-inflammatory immune cells in the membrane that lines the colon. 
mice that ate strawberries showed reduced levels of harmful gut bacteria and increased levels of healthy gut bacteria. The next step will be a human trial. The researchers advise people to avoid strawberries if they're allergic to strawberries. And if you have inflammatory bowel disease, talk to your dietitian before changing your diet. Their findings were presented as dietary intake of the whole strawberry inhibited colonic inflammation, restored immune homeostasis, and alleviated gut microbiota dysbiosis in dextrin sulfate sodium treated mice. At the 256th National Meeting and Exposition of the American Chemical Society held in Boston, Massachusetts. Drought nets. A team from the University of Akron in the US state of Ohio have used nanofiber cloth nets to catch water from the air and filter it. The nets will be electronically cooled to amplify the amount of water they can harvest. Even in deserts, air contains water. People around the world have collected water from the air in different ways for thousands of years. But never so much water from so small an area, and only where there's fog. The nanofiber net will be able to harvest water in dry country. The team expect their new water catchers to harvest up to 180 litres of water per square metre every day. In comparison, a state-of-the-art commercial system being used in Morocco only produces around 30 litres per square metre per day. The nanofibers also filter out dirt and bacteria, meaning the water is instantly safe to drink. The nanofibers are created using electrospinning technology, which uses electrical forces to produce polymer fibers, which range from tens of nanometers up to a thousand nanometers, which is a micrometer. These fibers are tangled around fragments of expanded graphite. The fibres produce a large surface area for droplets to condense onto, and the graphite encourages the water to drip out of the material when it's squeezed or heated. This larger surface area allows the net to collect more water in a smaller space. Although the nanofibre net could harvest water without electricity, the team plan on attaching the net to a small backpack battery to cool it by 10 degrees Celsius in order to magnify the amount of water they can collect, because they want to make a portable water harvester. Their idea is that a small unit will be cheaper and easier to scale up to any size, rather than starting by designing a large fixed water harvester. I imagine a lot of farmers would be happy to take a larger size to permanently install, and only use electric cooling in droughts. The University of Akron team are seeking funding to develop their portable water harvesting prototype. Their presentation was titled Water Harvesting from Atmospheric Airborne Particles by Electrospinning Enabled Bio-Inspired Techniques and was presented at the 256th National Meeting and Exposition of the American Chemical Society held in Boston, Massachusetts. You're listening to Ian Wolfe on Diffusion Science Radio. 
Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. Hard is in the groove. When people suffer heart attacks, their hearts are injured. Mutu Velapayan is developing 3D printed grooved heart patches to mend them. Mutu is a PhD student at Monash University in Melbourne, working under the supervision of Professor Neil Cameron. I spoke to Mutu by Skype and began by asking him what are the challenges in mending broken hearts. After a heart attack, 2 to 3 million heart cells are dead. So this is a really a huge, huge amount of heart cells. So basically the heart muscle cells, they don't have a normal recovering capacity as the other cells in our body. So during the recovery process, the heart fibroblasts or the heart skin cells, so they tend to grow more rapidly compared to the heart muscle cells. So when this happens, this results in formation of a scar at the damaged site in the heart. So when a scar is formed in the heart, it restricts the pumping activity of the heart, leading to poor healing, and this may even worsen the condition. So uh, what we are trying to do is like we are trying to make a heart patch, just like a bandit to fix the wounded portion so that the heart can regain its pumping efficiency again. What's the current treatment for this? Do we just let the scar form or do we have something that doctors are trying to do now? At the moment, there are two treatments which are going on. The first one is uh, the heart muscle cells were injected into the damaged region. So they have tried with the adding the stem cells as well. But uh, what happens is the heart muscle cells which were injected to the damaged region, they don't stay put and they tend to migrate to somewhere else in the body. So this is the problem with this kind of treatment. And in case of heart patches, so what happens is the heart muscle cells don't efficiently align on the heart patch leading to poor healing. So these are the two main challenges. So that's why we have came up with the new idea of printing two materials and then removing one material out of it, resulting in some grooves so that uh, we can geometrically stimulate the heart muscle cells to align. And what do you call these? The patch which we have uh, formed is like we call it as groovy patch. Yes. As it has some grooves in it. And so this is made of a polymer? Uh, Yes, like at present we are working on two polymers. So uh, it is made up of polymers actually. And polymers are long chain, they're sort of related to plastics? The thing is like the polymers which we are trying to use are basically uh, biodegradable. So biodegradable means like uh, in course of time, once the heart muscle cells are have regenerated, it should be degrading by its own, just like the sutures. But at the present moment, the material which we are using, like one of the two materials is not biodegradable yet. Mm-hmm. So down the line, we'll just try to fabricate even that material also to be biode- biodegradable completely as the other material so that it be degraded once heart has been recovered or that that scar or the wound region is recovered and you're using 3d printing yes at the moment we are using a 3d printer for printing the patch as 3d printer gives us a tremendous flexibility for designing any model which we have 
for example if the scar or the wounded region has some some different dimension maybe we can try to acquire that that specific design and then we can even 3d print that and later on we do some post processing and once the post processing is done maybe we can try to uh, see the heart muscle cells and then try to fix the heart patch mm so yeah would this need to be applied straight after the heart is injured in a heart attack or is it something you could apply a lot later after there's already scar tissue usually there are many preliminary treatments which can be done so this would be maybe the last option where the scar is completely untreatable or because of course this method of treatment involves a little bit of surgical approach as well so maybe this can be considered as a final treatment and to be honest we are in the very initial stage of our research as i've just entered my second year of my phd candidature so uh, as of now we have just fabricated the material so we are up to test the efficiency of this material using you know like animal heart muscle cells first and then later on we'll test it in animal models if we get really good results then we may proceed to further collaborate with the cardiologist heart specialist in melbourne to get more access to a heart muscle human heart muscle cells. Yeah. So the main design considerations are they the shape and the materials? Yes, material uh, material is one of the major uh, consideration because uh, as you know like heart muscle cells they would be more happier to stay or to perform much better if the stiffness of the material uh, matches with the natural human heart stiffness. so the material which we have chosen has the almost matching range of stiffness with the heart real human heart so we are expecting good results down the line when we will test it with the heart muscle cells choosing the type of grooves would require a lot of experimentation yes like as of now we are just working on the surface modification first so maybe we haven't completely optimized yet as we are still about to test it with the animal heart muscle cells first so if the results are favorable then we'll proceed with the optimized grooves values yeah and how many people will need this sort of treatment probably those patients with the end heart failure maybe the the final stage they may require this kind of treatment but in order to make our product to be commercialized then it's definitely it will take really long time maybe more than 12 years because uh, since this involves human it requires really a strenuous uh, clinical trials and once is if everything is okay then only it, might, it could be commercialized and how did you come to choose this type of project we were in discussion yeah, we, me and my supervisor and we were uh, trying to address one of the major challenges which is being faced by patients nowadays and we found that heart diseases are killing one australian every 12 minutes and it affects one in six of australians so this seems to be a really really uh, daunting challenge to address this problem and it requires uh, immediate attention so we have came up uh, we have uh, decided to address this challenge due to all this uh, reasons do you yeah. think you'll be working on it for the whole 12 years it takes to develop it probably like maybe in the initial phase i'm thinking maybe uh, i'll try to complete my phd first with all the uh, we'll try to complete the first phase probably in my first in my during my phd 
and down the line if, if i get enough opportunities then i may think of uh, proceeding till the end with my supervisors and do you think this approach might work for repairing other sorts of muscle in the body uh, yes this is a very good question i'm not really sure about the answer because as of now we haven't even tested with the animal human heart muscle cells first so once we test with that then probably we may think of uh, different muscle cells probably but theoretically i think that the answer probably m- might be yes because if you see the musculoskeletal muscle cells which is like the other muscle cells also has almost a similar shape as heart muscle cells so probably it might work but to be honest i'm not sure about the answer yeah cool. so you okay. presented this work to fame lab yes i've presented my presentation about my research in the national fame lab finals and uh, i was being selected as the audience choice winner i was uh, pretty pretty lucky i'll say well congratulations uh, yeah thank you thank you and uh, it's all because of the audience support it had given me this award yes and what did you think of the fame lab training i'll say it's really fantastic i was like really uh, thrilled and pleased to get such good training from a international trainer like Malcolm Lur yeah his training was simply amazing and his training is like morely uh, i'll say practical oriented not only just slides so he'll just give some points and he'll just explain based on his real experience and even like he'll ask us to present and there were like nine of the finalists there and like he asked us each of us to present and after our each presentation he gave us some suggestion on each presentation on how it could be improved so it really helped us a lot and how did you come to be involved with fame lab it came out of my personal interest for the initial rounds i got this mail from our faculty i just want to explore what's going on and during the the state semi finals i was really thrilled to see such good presentations such good presenters throughout victoria and then i was uh, lucky enough to be selected by the organizer to represent victoria for the national finals and during the finals i i could observe the presentation of other researchers from different states even including some uh, postdocs so it was really a great learning experience i'll say and you've been doing some more science communication since then yes like fame lab have changed my life and to be really honest i'll say that because before fame lab and life after fame lab like i was being interviewed for five radio interviews and this is the sixth one i'll say so it gave a good outreach for my research and even uh, recently i've attended sydney science festival where uh, i was being invited to give a talk to share some tips on how to be a good science communicator and this all opportunities came up after fame lab so i'll say fame lab is a really good opportunity which have almost changed my life i'll say and if you were to give some of the listeners some tips on being a science communicator is there one or two you'd like to suggest to them yeah yeah sure the first point i would like to suggest is try to keep your scientific concepts as simple as possible you may for example you can think of some analogies of difficult very difficult concepts to a very simple one so the audience can grasp it easily and the second tip i would like to share is try to grab the audience attention within the first 30 seconds 
because it helps you to connect with your audience so that you'll get their full attention. And then the last one I'd, I would like to say, uh, probably there's no harm in making your presentation emotional because at times if you sprinkle a little bit of emotion in your talk, it may improve the outreach when the audience understands the impact of your research emotionally. That's terrific. So do you think, what do you think would be next? Would you do some YouTube things or would you look for TED Talks or do you have any ideas about what other science outreach you'd like to do? Uh, yes, these three are really good suggestions. Even I haven't even thought of it. And thanks uh, all for giving me, uh, yeah, no, for giving such good suggestions. Uh, yeah, probably I look forward to go for TED Talk or uh, even YouTube channels. Yes. If any people are listening who'd like to get into this sort of medical engineering direction, what do they need to study? I think like they should go for their passion. So if they are very much interested in a particular area, for example, if it's biomaterials, then they should emphasize on learning more on material science engineering and even biological aspects, for example, uh, cell culture and uh, tissue, tissue culture, especially, and other related concepts which might help them a lot while they are applying for a bachelor's degree or a master's degree. I really encourage uh, each and everyone out there to go for a competition like FameLab as it may give you a very wide range of opportunities. Even the participation itself, it gives you a really good experience. Well, Mutu, thank you yeah. very much. Yeah, thank you, Ian. Well, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. That was Mutu Velapayan, working on 3D printed grooved heart patches for broken hearts at Monash University in Melbourne. Despite the world's highest living standards, the average American remained vaguely discontent, aware that his goal of a better way of life had still not been fully realized. There was something missing. John. Yes, Mary. John, what's happening to us? I think we both know, Mary. It's just that we seem to be drifting apart. I'm sorry, Mary. I've tried. Oh, I don't blame you, John. It's just that... It's not your fault either, of course. It's just that, that we don't have... Exactly. There's this awful gap in our lives just because we don't have... Oh, but why talk about it? It's just that... Oh, I keep hoping someone can find a way to... Don't be a fool, Mary. You know that's impossible. Oh, I know. It's just that... Dad, it's ironic. With all our technology and industrial know-how, we still don't have the one thing that could give us a better way of life. They say it can't be done, that it's just an impossible dream. But in the laboratories of your name here, there is a modest sign. And here, dedicated scientists face the challenge. Years of heartbreaking failures and setbacks only stiffened their resolve to conquer the problem. And one day, a strange and historic accident. Uh-oh. Well, you did it again. Gee, what a mess. Oh, well. Wait a minute. Maybe... Listen. 
Hi, Gad. Do you suppose this freak accident... Of course. That's it. That's the answer. We've done it. After all these years, we've invented it. How about that? From the laboratories of your name here had come the key to the secret that had baffled man through the ages. Success. John, you mean... That's right, Murray. I got the promotion. Sorry, tomorrow I'm no longer just a shipping clerk. I'm chairman of the board. And it's all because of... Your product here. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to hear your voice on radio? Record a voice memo on your phone or use the voicemail tab on the website. We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email with a question I can answer on the show. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. Join my patrons at patreon.com slash diffusionradio and support the show. The news music was Rhinos Theme by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. Sound check and fact checking by Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 26 stations on the community radio network, including 2RBM in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales, 8CCC in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2NVR in Nambucca Valley, 3MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia, 7LTN City Park Radio in Launceston, Tasmania, and my local station 2RDJ in Burwood, New South Wales. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, you can explore more than 950 previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com, where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Subscribe to the Diffusion YouTube channel at youtube.com slash c slash diffusionradio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice for more science wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio. Science is fun. It helps you to learn, to know, and to appreciate. When you study science, you may go on field trips. You discover the marvelous interrelationships between all living things. You learn to read the history of the Earth as it is written in rocks and fossils. You find out what makes things tick. Everything from a molecule to a living organism. In the study of science is found the most useful and satisfying knowledge of man. Knowledge of his physical world, its past, its present, and its future. And in your moments of relaxation, now and in the years to come, you will find the study of science leading you into fascinating pursuits. Photography. Collecting. Why study science? Study science because you will find in the study of science a richer, more rewarding life.